What's up, everyone? We are live. We had Big John earlier on, and uh, something happened with his internet. So, for those of you guys wondering when we're going to drop our show, breaking down the Bellator fights as well as the UFC tonight against Paul Craig and um, Brendan Allen, that will come to you guys tomorrow. So, Dave and I were just kind of brainstorming. I said, you know what? We're already here in front of the cameras. We're already here in front of the computers. Dave's already kind of worked his magic. I said, you know what? Let's just do something live. Let's do something different. Let's have some fun with this. So. That's what we are going to do. Big John is going to have to go out and try to figure out how to get his uh, internet to work. And so we're going to wait for him to do that tomorrow and uh, get it all squared away. We were actually all in the same room, get, not in the same room in the, in the house, but actually in this platform here. Virtual room. There you go. And uh, we were about to start filming. All of a sudden, John disappeared. I'm like, damn it. Tennessee Wi-Fi every single time. But um. Man, there was so much to talk about. I know that a lot of people want answers um, talking about Bellator. And uh, like, I got to just be 100% honest with you guys. No one has them. And uh, and it's not just that. I think what it was was there was a lot of lead up to, you know, uh, to this show. 300 was a big deal. 300 was a milestone. 300 shows. Uh, I even I read something that Ariel had said and, uh, in, a, in a tweet. I believe it was a tweet. And uh, just talking about how how difficult it is, period, to be any promotion, to do 300 shows. It's a milestone for everyone. Now we, we did 301. Uh, I felt like 300 because of all the talk of the PFL deal coming through. And um, it just it had a really weird feeling to it. Uh, I think people have gotten past that now. They have worked for the company. I think 301 is just the, the fighters really went out there and laid it on the line. That main card was absolutely amazing. Um, the production side of it all, the uh, all the staffers, everyone that has been working with Bellator, they've all just uh, really had a great time in this show. It was a, a fantastic show. You felt the arena. You felt the fans. It was awesome. The crowd was awesome. The whole place was electric. It was it was a good feeling. It felt really good to be part of that show at 301 uh, last night. And uh, the fighters, man, the fighters, I got to be honest. I was able to walk in the back. I chatted with Carrie Melendez, Gilbert Melendez's wife after her victory and just a, a very emotional moment for her. And, um, you know, being 30, I think she's just turned 39, 39 years old, coming, you know, trying to live the career, you know, um, getting back into it at a later age. But, man, she used to be one of the best kickboxers I've ever known uh, at a young when she was younger. And put it all on to the side as Gilbert lived his career. And, you know, why they have they have a young daughter. She's not young anymore. <laughs> but she's, uh, you know, so her uh, playing, you know, doing the mom role. And then now coming back and being able to fight. And she just realized, I think, how she went. That emotion kind of took over. And she, you know, you could tell. She's like, this is a lot harder than than it used to be when we were 25. I said, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, I could actually. I was relating with her going, man. You know, I was doing it at 39, almost 40 years old. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. So uh, I had to bring her up because I got to put a lot of respect on her name. Her and her husband did it for a long time at a high level, and uh, it was good to see her get the win uh, last night. So uh, I'm not going to talk too much about the fights. I don't want to get too much into them because John and I will do the full breakdowns when uh, he gets his Wi-Fi sorted out. But I just wanted to talk more about just the um, – the ambiance at, three, at Bellator 301. Uh, you know, obviously the UFC had their fights tonight. Great, great card. Uh, they had a couple of really good fights on there that I really enjoyed. And uh, the Brennan Allen and Paul Craig fight, even though uh, my Scotsman over here was rooting for uh, Paul Craig. I was too, actually, rooting for uh, Paul Craig. And it just um, didn't go his way. Wasn't able to get it done. But it was, uh, look, for him to get down from 205 to 185 and to, he looks physically, he looks 
amazing, right? Just comes in super lean. Looks like he's got the energy. Uh, he's just got to tweak a couple things here and there for him to get to that. I think that next level. And uh, we're going to, I think we're going to see that from him. It's going to take a little bit of time, but uh, big, it was a big, it was a big performance tonight. Uh, he came up short, but Brennan Allen looked freaking fantastic. The wrestling, the, the, the grappling, the scrambling, you know, all of those things early in the fight looked fantastic. So um, it's so funny. I got to meet one of Dave's uh, longtime heroes this weekend. And uh, there's a little picture right up there. I'm not sure if you guys will be able to see this. Yeah, I've got it on there. All right. And uh, <laughs> so it's so funny because my buddy at the very far end on this picture, his name is Rich Chow. And he he posts the picture. He's like, you know what? It was a rough weekend in Chicago. I ran into two punks and a ruthless guy. And I thought I thought it was a great I thought it was a great comment, man. It was pretty cool. He posted up the pictures, as you guys maybe know or don't know that CM Punk right there. And everyone knows that I'm actually the real punk. But CM Punk was there, and uh, the two of us uh, decided to get a picture. And of course, one of the iconic uh, legends in the sport, uh, Robbie Lawler, man, absolutely just one of the greatest and nicest guys you could possibly ever meet. He's a fan, fantastic person. Such a uh, just. I can't say enough about him. He's one of my all-time favorites and a great person, great heart. But, uh, yeah, we had a great time. Like I said, it was electric there in Chicago at the arena at the Wind Trust. And Chicago, I love going to Chicago. So, Dave, do you, you ever get the vibe? Like, I feel like people, if you watch too much news, you watch too much media, whatever it is, I get the vibe that Chicago is just a total crapshoot. Yes. But, man, it's it's clean it's nice uh, i have never had every time i've been there for bellator anytime i've been there i fought benson henderson there it's always been amazing the food is probably some of the best in any city i've ever been at uh i can go to these little tiny hole in the wall spots we went to this place called the sienna tavern and it was fantastic the service was great the people were nice it was amazing the food was fantastic it was awesome uh that place yep there you go with uh with our whole a lot of our production crew that helps hold the fort up for for bellator there so um you know it was good we had a great time it was amanda's birthday she's i, I want to learn her age <laughs> she, she she should kill me but uh yeah this is the crew man this is the crew that we uh we travel all around the world this is the crew that goes with us pretty much everywhere and uh, we have a blast it's a great crew we also went to kingston mines kingston Mines, is i guess one of the most famous um blues places there in um in chicago absolutely amazing a lot of history there see that sign right there it says right there in chicago yep blues alley kingston mines yep fantastic fantastic space little hole in the wall spot is so funny dave i walked up and i noticed that like you know i was with uh amanda i was with um you know the people you saw in the picture there and uh jamie and chris and lily and uh and jay I was with all of them, right? And we walk up and they all start pulling out their IDs. And I don't ever really carry my ID anymore. I'm like, you know, and so I'm like, I don't have an ID. And the guy looks right at me. He's like, the gray in the beard. He's like, you're good. <laughs> it's like, you, you jerk. You is, it, jerk. Like, is that a bad thing or a good thing? It's like, yeah. I was one of those ones. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was, it was I've fun. got a big, I've got on both sides of my head right now. I've got two big gray patches. That's why I keep my hair short on the sides. So you can't <laughs> see it as much, but. um, Growing tip, man. Yeah, it was. We had a great time, man. This week was awesome in Chicago, and uh, it was fun. It was fun to be around the crew and and like the uncertainty. I think of what's going to move forward, and and uh, you know a lot of a lot of people being optimistic that you know, hey, if if the PFL does go, and we're hearing that you know there will be a Bellator moving forward. I, I believe Chris Cyborg put out a tweet saying, yes, I will be fighting in in Europe in Belfast. You know, against Liam McCourt, it will be a Bellator fight. 
that's what that's what's been put out there so i'm not repeating i'm not saying anything that people don't already know or people haven't heard because i don't know um and uh yeah but there's there's a lot there's a lot of excitement i think and some buzz about you know what the future holds you know and hopefully it's all positive i think for everybody i think for fighters especially because um the more organizations there are the more fighters can actually be active and trying to live their dream and uh you'll get you'll get a couple big time stars out of that and that's a huge deal i think for everyone so i'm looking forward to that you know but uh, i think dave and i we had talked about basically to do this i want to see if you guys have any questions if you guys want to throw some questions in there yeah and, uh dave what do you, you got anything yet or uh yeah there's some questions rolling in here as you guys are okay. rolling in questions for anyone new joining big john's uh had an issue at home which is why he's not he issue with the internet sorry i don't want to yeah. make it sound crazier than it is but um he didn't fall out of a tree and break yeah. six ribs or anything yeah, like yeah he's yeah. done before in the past but he's so that's why we're not filming right now we're not filming the show for the morning drop the, the show will drop drop probably on monday morning but um we decided we we're gonna do live q a for you guys tonight just so that you guys could get some answers to things you have in your mind before the show comes out so uh let's start from the top here uh Austrip white belt wants to know when are you coming back to cda I don't know what CD is. Oh, Corner Lane. It's Corner Lane, Idaho. Uh, I'll probably be up there sometime in like either late January or February. It's my grandmother's birthday. She's 95. She'll be 96. It's normally in January. And so, or not normally, has been for almost 100 years now. <laughs> it's been <laughs> in January. So we will probably all head up there and uh, visit her uh, around her birthday. And, um, you know, and spend some time up there with uh, for some old friends and family. I love it there, man. It's one of my all-time favorite places to be. Uh X Onius wants to know is Paxi Patchy Mix top five in UFC. Oh, I, I, um, look, I don't have to be a homer anymore. So <laughs> if you guys, but I'm going to be honest. I think he is. I think right now he is the best bantamweight in the world, and I'm not taking anything away from from any of the other ones. I'm not taking anything away from Aljamain Sterling. I'm not taking anything away from Sean O'Malley. I just think stylistically he is a horrible matchup for a lot of fighters. I look at him and Sean O'Malley. It makes a very interesting fight. Uh, because Sean, with the speed, his his agility, um, with his footwork, he will give him some fits, especially early in the fight. Uh, the accuracy of Sean O'Malley's striking, um, the him having to fight somebody though that is equally as tall and long as him uh, is patchy mix. So the two of them bringing that tall, long, and lanky body style is going to pose problems, I think, for both of them because most both of them are used to being the taller and the longer fighter. But it, and I know Sean O'Malley is good on the ground. But there are levels to this game on the ground. And I got to tell you right now, every coach, every person that I've ever talked to has already said that Patchy Mix is hands down the best grappler in the sport right now of MMA. In the sport. In terms of all, not just, not just like he is the best grappler in the sport of MMA. Someone who can put it together while being punched. He's not somebody that used to be a world-class ADC champion. Okay. But then now when he gets in there, he gets super tired and exhausted and then doesn't become a good grappler anymore. He is somebody that can grapple for five hard rounds in a fight while he's getting punched and just keep getting after it. Keep getting after it. He is a fantastic fighter. He's getting a lot better on the feet. Uh, his wrestling, the way he wrestles, he doesn't shoot double legs, even though he, he did in this fight. He's not someone that shoots from far away. And if he does, he come, works up on the single. He is great at getting to the body lock off of these exchanges on the feet um, and then getting to the body lock and getting himself to the back. They call him the human backpack for a reason. Like Once he does get to that body lock, he shrugs the shoulder by really fast. He does it very well and starts putting in the legs. And as the legs get put in, he starts taking the back and gets you down to the ground. It's kind of sagging you down to the ground. 
he is considered to be one of the best, hands down, one of the best fighters in the world. I think right now he's the best bantamweight in the world. And I'm not trying to put any disrespect on any other fighters' names. I respect all of them. Um, but like I said, there's been a lot of people that I have seen or talked to, fighters and uh, coaches amongst gyms in the Vegas area. And they've all said that they've seen what Patchy can do to a lot of the top fighters that are out of there at 135 pounds that are in the UFC, that are in other organizations. And he does, he is hands down the top guy right now. We just had Eric Nixick on, and Eric Nixick is the head coach of Extreme Couture's, and he believes that Patchy Mix is the best 135 pounder in the world. That says a lot. That says a lot. So, um, Eric used to work with him. Eric doesn't work with him really anymore. Kind of still helps out a little bit here and there, but doesn't work with him as as much anymore. And he has really found his his stride. I look at I look at him and and his relationship with Tatiana Suarez, the two of them being so good on the ground and really piggybacking off each other to make each other make each other better. And um, I think there's a good chance that she may potentially end up being the champion by the end of the year, uh, the end of 2024, maybe in the middle of the summer of 2024, she may end up being the champion. And it'd be pretty crazy to see that you have two fighters that are together, you know, that end up being world champions uh, in their respective organizations. So, um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to diss any of the other fighters, the Bantamweights. Styles make matchups. These fight, like one person could be one person and the other person could be, you know, them. It just, they all mix the match pretty well. And you've got to be on that night. You've got to be on that night. Like we saw with Jason Jackson and Yaroslav Amosov. Mr. You know, 27 and 0 was Yaroslav Amosov, but Jason Jackson had his number. You know, it's just the way this thing goes. So, um, yes, I do think right now the Apache Mix is the best Bantamweight in the world. Next one here from Giovanni Perez. How concerned should clean fighters be about the split with USADA? Uh, my my take on this is that I gotta see, we gotta wait until it pans out. I know I gave a little dig at, at the UFC over this whole thing, and the reason why I gave the dig on it was because in some of the 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 reports or reporters were saying that it will be the UFC's lab that they will be um, returning the. Um, the samples too now if that's the case then that just that's that's no different than someone owning the organization that they're they're doing the testing out of and the other reason why i took a little dig at them was because we all remember what happened during the nate diaz situation with the masvidal fight they said we'll talk about it and we'll deal with it after that those are things that should give people a little bit of concern i think that they want the i think that they want the sport clean i'm not denying that but we have seen with the Brock Lesnar thing and the Mark Hunt situation. Now we've seen with the Nate Diaz and the Masvidal situation. When we see these type of things happen and they go ahead and like kind of push it under the rug a little bit or slide it under the rug, it's because there's a lot of money already been put out and they don't want to lose that money. And that's that you would expect that from a promotion or a business. And, I, and I'm not, those are just, I look at it, that's just what they're going to do to make sure they don't lose their ass um, financially in terms of on that deal or on that um on that fight card or whatever it is they the money they've put in and so i've we've seen what they've done with that that's the only part if they start that i, I can't remember who was bronstetter is his name uh is it aaron i think aaron bronster or bronster anyways i believe he's the one that said like he had underlined it too that it would be it would be the, the ufc's lab that would be the one doing the testing, even though it is going to be a hired uh, another company that they're hiring, but they'll, the samples will be returning and 
being um, evaluated through the UFC lab. If that's the case, then, I mean, as a fighter, you would be probably a little bit concerned. Um, you know, like, if I'm not your favorite, am I going to be testing hot? If I'm not your favorite, am I going to be, uh, or are my opponents going to be allowed to just skirt by? Those are all things that come into question. And that those are all legitimate questions to, to ask if you're, if you're the organization taking the test, you have an outside company doing it, but then you're still using the, you're still testing the samples in my own personal lab. That should raise some eyebrows for everyone. And like I said, I got that from the media who I believe it was Aaron uh, Bronstetter. He had put it up and he even underlined that part of when it said that it would be the UFC's lab. So that's what I had seen on, on uh, social media from Twitter, I believe it was. And that's all done. That was all made public by a reporter. And so that's that those would be the only concerns that I would really have. All right, uh, let's roll on another one here. Uh, Mo S, which current non-champion in UFC has the highest potential? Which current non-champion in the UFC? Yep. Oh, man. I'd have to... I mean, for me right now, I would say probably Armand Sarukian. And I know that Islam is the champion, but you people have to go back and take a look at, uh, I believe uh, Armand's first fight in the UFC was Islam. I believe that was his first fight and uh, it was a great fight. It was back and forth, a little battle there. And, you know, he came up short, um, but he's gotten so much better, so much better in just this last two years. And so I look at him and I think of the sky's the limit. He's got He's got his, his uh, hands full that I feel like that division now is starting to shake out. You've got a lot of good guys that are kind of coming in their own right now, but you've also got a, like a lot of legends that have been there for a while holding those top two and three spots. So you've got Charles, you've got Gaethje, you've got Dustin. Those three guys have been there for the longest time because, because they're so damn good. Um, but then you've got Gamrot and you've got Benil. Benil's been in the mix there, but he's never got the respect he deserved. You know, um, he had a bad showing against um against Charles Oliveira, but I mean he'll bounce back, but he's got his fight coming up right now against Sarukian. This is gonna be one of those tell-alls. Uh, is Sarukian ready for that next level? Or is he is he just gonna stay where he's at and got to continue to make strides to get up into that. But I would say probably Armand Sarukian. Uh, and then obviously Shavkat. I mean, I just had a great meeting and conversation with Jason Jackson. He's like, he's like Shavkat is the boogeyman. He's the guy. He's the guy that um, he's good. He's like, he does things that I've never seen other people do in the gym. He's like, he's one of my main, if not my main training partner. And uh, you got to remember all the guys that are out of that Kill Cliff gym and to hear someone like Jason Jackson, who just beat Yaroslav Amosov as being 27 and 0, had the best record in the sport until last night. I look at that and I think to myself, Jason Jackson speaking highly of Shavkat. And who else have you had in that Killcliffe gym? You got Car uh, uh, Kamaru Usman. You've got Gilbert Burns. You've got Ian Gary Machado. You've got Shavkat. You've got Jason Jackson. I mean, there's old clips. If you go back and watch old clips, I believe it's old clips with Jason Jackson sparring Luke Rockhold. This was years ago when Luke was kind of more in his prime. You've got those two getting after it. It's a great clip of those guys just throwing down. And the same thing with Michael Johnson. Even though Michael Johnson is one weight class below him because uh, he's a 70-pounder, Michael Johnson out there just slinging leather against Jason Jackson watching these guys get after it. Jason's a dog, man. So I look, I put Jason in that mix of he's that guy, though, too. We're going to see what, what, what all pans out with the Bellator situation. But he's a top guy as well. He's definitely a top guy. I mean, and he proved it last night. Great, great stuff. But I look at to answer your question though. I say 
to me, it's Sarukian. Then I would say probably Shavkat. You know, those are the two guys that I think are getting a lot of, uh, uh, and obviously everyone can say Jemayev. I haven't seen quite enough yet, just to be honest. I, I wasn't impressed with his last performance. And even though I know it was against Kamaru Usman, I, it just didn't, it didn't, Kamaru coming off the couch and, and looked like he looked like Kamaru was, had more gas and cardio than uh, Chemaev in that third round. No knock on Chemaev, man. I know it's hard to fight someone after you change the opponent basically the week of. It's not easy. It's not easy to mentally prepare for that. So, um, yeah, but I look also to look at Chemaev and say he got a little winded in the Gilbert Burns fight as well. And so there's a lot of little underlying issues. I think people are looking at him going, he's good. He's talented. I love the buildup. He can, he's, he can be a super aggressive and he can be exciting. All of those things he can be. Um, but he's got, it looks like we have a little bit of something going on with the conditioning and the cardio. And I, there was a lot of people that talked about too. Remember he got really bad COVID, uh, during COVID and, uh, he, he was, he was out for a long time. And there was a lot of people saying that he was having some issues with his, with, you know, with his conditioning, his cardios, his lungs. And I want to know if that had maybe some sort of effect on him. So I guess only time will tell, uh, and how he'll do in a five round fight because in three round fights, he seems to be getting tired now. To back him on this, though, we tend to fight, fighters, we tend to fight at a faster pace and a different pace than you fight a five-round fight. Um, so I'll give it, I'm going to cut him cut him some slack on that, that situation. But I'm looking for Sarukian and Shavkat to really kind of, um, and Tatiana Suarez, and, to, and for the those three fighters to really make their name, I think, uh, in 2024. Uh, next one here, Joe Fresco. Josh, are you going to work for the PFL or are we going to go straight YouTube? Uh, you know, look, I don't know. Look, everything is, if they do end up buying it, uh, I hope to I hope to at least have a conversation. I think that's, I think a lot of people would, um, would, would like, I've, I've spent so much time in this sport. I love this sport. Um, you know, and I obviously would love to, to stay involved. I know their fighters, you know, a lot of them very well. And um, I think there's, a lot of talented fighters in the PFL. I think the mix of Bellator fighters with the PFL fighters, I, I definitely think it'd be some fun fights. It's, you know, even you have the opportunity to do that. Like it was very much like how when pride and the UFC first joined and then you had strike force and the UFC and they joined and the WC and the, and the UFC, you know, kind of merged, you know, that 55 pound division still kind of like stood out a little bit there. It just, it makes, it makes for fun matchups that the world want. They, everyone wants to, to see they talk about we always talk about well, what happens if so-and-so was in this organization what happens if what happens if this this girl was able or this female was able to fight this this other female it just it, it, we can finally do it and put it together you know um it makes for fun fights man it really really does and so i think there's a lot of interesting uh matchups that we could potentially see and um and i'm looking forward to it and john and i talked about it a little bit on our on our live chat over on OnlyFans. Uh, earlier this evening before his internet went out was that um was that there's there's so many little things that we could little fights that we could see that we could put together but there's also the benefit of hey if they decide to run two separate organizations they can both stand on their own and we could potentially see like a year end or every other year end type almost like an olympics like hey we take your best guys they don't have to always be champions take the best guys versus the best guys do that or you can use one organization as like a, as one that runs tournaments, and the other organization as like a, a nor, like a normal way of you run an MMA organization with, you know, each weight class and your top guys there. When we talked about, Bellator used to do all the, 
I used to do all the weight classes, tournaments also. And I remember back then I used to follow it a little bit, but I always wanted to watch Patricky and Patricio fight. So I always wanted to try and tune in because they were just, they were savages, man. These two guys were savages. And I love, and Eddie Alvarez, I love watching Eddie fight as well. And, but it was so hard to keep up with when their fights were going to happen because they were running every, every weight class tournaments at the time. And that's where I feel with the PFL also is that I, I like the idea of the tournament, but I also like the idea of where, where Bellator did it with just the one weight class. Cause then when you saw grand prix matchup, you knew it was the one weight class. And if you like that weight class, you would definitely tune in. And um, obviously I'm a lot more biased because right now the lightweight world grand prix is going on in Bellator and I'm, such a fan of alexander shabley i've trained with him he is just a sniper and a savage and i fought patriki they put on a great fight last night we'll talk more about that tomorrow when john uh, gets his internet going but um they just i like just being able to follow the one uh weight class for the whole year or the nine months or however long it takes because then you're you become attached to the to a fighter it's it's a lot easier to be like hey that's my guy that i want to see get through this whole thing and it makes it easier for the fans to really kind of back their fighter and not have to worry about trying to say oh well, is it this week is it next week oh we're doing the finals we're doing the semifinals but then also too if you take what they're doing when you do full when you do the whole organization as in each in each weight class you tournaments that way i could see it more of being like a a fight in into the bigger the bigger organization whichever one it may be you know, um, and that fight in being almost like a Dana White contender series or, you know, and they fight, they fight in that tournament. And if the winner, the winner of that tournament gets into the PFL or gets into Bellator or whatever it is, and, uh, and you move on that way, there's just so many things that they could do, uh, to keep as many fighters, uh, active as possible. And that's great. Like anytime you have the potential of having two organizations and anytime you have the potential of one organization going away, there's going to be a lot of fighters that either be on cloud nine because they have, there's two places and locations for them to go. Or if they end up losing one, one of the promotions, then there's a lot of fighters that will end up not having an organization to fight for. And if you can't fight and you can't make money, then you know, ultimately what that does, it drives the, the pricing down for the fighters to make money. The more organizations, the more it drives the prices up for fighters to make more money. And so um, there's a lot to be said. We'll find out and we'll see. None of us know the answers. And if someone tells you they do, they don't. Next one here from uh, Nazir Hajir. Josh, what do you think of Gaethje Holloway fight for the BMF at UFC 300? <sighs> I don't like the fight at all. I think I love Holloway, but we saw what happened when he came up to 55 and fought Dustin. And I just, I didn't like it. I think he didn't have it. He didn't put the weight on properly. He didn't take the time to put the weight on properly. And Justin Gaethje is not a small 155 pounder. And he possesses power in both hands. He's got pop in both hands. And in terms of that, he's also got great conditioning and cardio, which is where Max tends to take kind of tends to pull himself away from a lot of the other fighters in that fourth and fifth round. He tends to um, start running away with it, with his punch output. The problem is though, is Justin Gaethje can take those shots and just walk you down and keep, and then start landing his big, powerful shots. <clears throat> and so I, I don't like the fight. If, if Max decided he wanted to move to 55 and stay at 55, I'd probably be in all, and I'd support it a, a little bit more. 
I just I don't want to see what he did against Dustin and then and he did he didn't look good that night. You know, and he fought his ass off. I'm not taking anything away from him. he's he's one of my all-time favorite fighters because he always comes to fight and he delivers every single time. But I want to see him go to 55. He's going to go. He needs to go the proper way. He needs to take time, put the weight on a little, maybe not as much time as John Jones took to get the heavyweight, but take some time to put the weight on, fill out, get your body used to carrying that weight and training and constantly, and then just keep your weight there and see, do a couple weight cuts, you know, do two or three weight cuts to get yourself down to 55. See where your threshold is in performance level. Do your weight cut. Give yourself a full 24 hours to rehydrate. Maybe not the full 36 hours like you get normally. Give yourself the full 24 and then see how you spar the next day, five hard rounds. Um, those are all things that I think at the level that he is, he can't afford to, I don't think any of these fighters can afford to, to take chances to go out there and have bad performances because he is such a huge name in the organization and in the sport is that a couple big losses and especially knockout losses at the age that he's getting, I know he's still young. I know he's still young, but you don't want to take him too young and then start making your career end short. And I like him too much to see him go out there and just slap it out there real quick because, um, because real realistically, like his Volk's the champ and I've fought him three times already. And I don't have a chance. And like, you know, they're not going to give me another opportunity until he loses all of those things. I wouldn't recommend him jeopardizing that against uh, Justin Gaethje. Unless he takes time to put his weight on properly. So Jacob Unger wants to know what should Dustin Poirier do next then? Mm. Let's take a look. Real That's here. a very good question. That's a very good question. Um, let me see if I can take a look. I need my glasses for this because it's so far. Um, let's see. If I'm looking in this position here. I mean, I really would like to see him fight Islam. That's my thing. But then I know that Charles is next in line. And if I was to say, we've already seen the Justin fight, but I believe Justin is pretty much going to be next in line after that also. And so Dustin, I think maybe he, what he does, he fights the winner of Benil Dariush and Armand, Armand Sarukian, maybe that. Or if Chandler ends up fighting um, Connor and we see what happens there. I wouldn't put out. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, say that there's not a chance for Connor and Dustin to fight again. If Chandler and Dustin fight and Chandler loses, I wouldn't be surprised if Dustin was to get that fight, but he, he's got to get busy. Cause he is getting old. I don't say he's super old, but you can't afford to lose a year or two of not making money. So this, this is his money making years. He needs to get, he needs to be active. Uh, but I also understand he's got to, he's got to make sure he's fighting the right opponent opponents that keep him right in that top mix for him to potentially get back into that title talk. Hey, I have a question. I have a question I want to ask. Um, can I don't see Tony in this? Yeah, one. screw our fans. Let's go ahead, Dave. You tell us. What, what did you? Well, somebody did ask it about the 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 David Goggins, the training Tony mm -hmm. Ferguson thing. Goggins will turn Tony into the next BMF champ. Do Do you think that Goggins thing was like any good for him? Uh, no, like, do you, no, I don't. I don't look. Tony Tony's one of those guys. He doesn't need to be pushed harder. Like yeah. that, that's the thing. Like he doesn't need to be pushed harder. You can't make Tony train any harder. John, big John had Tony at his, at his old gym for years. All right. You know, and he trains like a madman. Everyone I've ever talked to has said that Tony trains like a madman. He like the last thing he needs is to be pushed hard. Like, sure. They saw, I saw the video of him throwing up. I saw all those things. I get it, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can still be in phenomenal shape and I can still make you throw up. 
he mentally is not he, he's not a mentally weak person at all at all but what he needs what he needs is something that his body just can't do anymore he needs to be young again he needs the speed he needs the ability to take big shots he needs he needs all those things that's father time there's nothing that david goggins can do maybe give him a little bit of confidence working side by side with someone like david yes maybe get him mentally to feel like the you know the last what five or six losses were okay look we can get past this maybe that but He's he's one of the most mentally strong people where I think that's ever stepped foot in that cage, just Tony Ferguson. And so I don't I don't I don't know how much that it would benefit him, honestly. He needs a little bit, he needs to make some adjustments on how he trains, but on techniques. What are some new techniques that you can learn and use in the cage around your body and what your body can still do? You know, um, I recall going through the same thing. I had to make adjustments. I couldn't kick anymore with my left leg to the body because if I kicked your elbow, it would drop me. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't allow, I've got a plate in my ankle with nine screws. I wasn't, I wasn't able to kick people to the body anymore because if I kicked your, your elbow, I'd be very careful kicking you on the calf kick or kicking you on the thigh. Cause if you checked it, it, it hurt me more than it hurt you. Um, just little things, you know, um, there's things that you have to make adjustments to. Uh, the attacks that I was able to do um, later on from from my back, whether it was guard, uh, whether it was triangles, whether it was kimuras, you know, uh, omoplatas, all these things. Certain ways your body just doesn't move. Your hips don't move as much anymore. I had to set up my head kicks differently, you know, because uh, and I usually had to wait until even though I'm doing a full warm up in the back, I had to wait until probably like the second or third round to start throwing head kicks because it just your hips after all those years of throwing, you know, head kicks and body kicks. And I was a heavy kicker. So those are just adjustments that you've got to learn to make, but then that takes away from who you really are as a fighter. So that, I don't, I can't say it didn't do anything for him. I just don't think it's it's what the, it's, it's the area of which he needed the help in. Uh, this has been asked a ton throughout the show right now. Uh, Bobby, Bob, Bobby, JN, and several others earlier in the show. Uh, what's the story with Usman? Has he been stripped? Usman Namagomedov has he been stripped? And um, what's he do with the lightweight Grand Prix? um no he's not being stripped from what i understand um he's still that he will still be the bellator champ that's one i heard that they plan on potentially running back that fight if bellator does stay around i don't know what the what the deal is look if pfl does buy it they're the one that call the shot so for if someone just to get up here or someone was to tell you that they knew what was going to happen with the um uh, with the lightweight world grand prix um they don't i don't think that they do uh, I just know that Usman has not been stripped. At least it has not been reported that he's been stripped. And um, I've heard that he has not been stripped. So outside of that, we'll see what happens. I mean, look, you're going to hear this a lot, especially up until this deal gets done. If it does get done, we'll see. That's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear. We're going to. We'll just gonna have to wait and see. And uh, that's that's the reality of it. The deals are never done until the ink is dry. That's really what it comes down to. So we'll find out how this all pans out. And uh, as long, I just hope it really works out for a lot of these fighters. That's the biggest thing. GM wants to know, should Izzy fight Alex at UFC 300 or should he sit out for a while? I, I think Izzy's got to do whatever he feels he needs to do. Look, I've been I've been through something similar to that. Like you just, I felt burnt out. I felt tired. I felt tired of going to AKA. I loved AKA. Javier was like, like you know, a second father to me. Um, I loved all the guys I trained with. But there was moments where I thought about leaving the gym because I needed something different. And so I'm not saying that he needs to leave his gym. I'm just simply saying maybe he just needs time off. I mean, he he is a pretty he was a pretty active fighter, and 
you know, taking the L to, to Alex first and they come back and beating Alex. Sure. You're on cloud nine, all of those things, but it's intense, man. Like you're, he went that long, then lost to yawn, you know, um, then he goes on and a fight or two later, he ends up losing to Alex by KO, you know, and then he comes back and he beats Alex by KO mentally. There's a lot that went on during that year long, you know, uh, phase of fights. And so if he needs time off, he needs time off. I don't think he's going to be off until what did he say? 2028 or something like that. I don't think he'll be off that long. Yeah. I don't think he'll be off that long. I really believe someone like him, he'll get the itch within like probably a year. He'll, he'll take a year off. He'll spend, he'll spend his money and spend his time doing whatever it is he wants to do. And, um, and I, I think he'll get, I think he'll get rejuvenated. You know, he's probably going to still be in the gym, maybe just hitting pads, you know, doing some bag work, probably not sparring as much anymore, having fun, just having fun. I mean, I think what it is, is you work so hard. And during that time, he probably wasn't really enjoying himself in terms of, you know, you know, the travel, do all the things he wanted to do, spend the money the way he wanted to. So he's going to take this time. He's made a lot of money. Let him enjoy it a little bit and he'll come back before his money making years are done and make more money before he leaves. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to his return, but I would say it's going to be probably at least a year, year, year and a half. I think he'll return. I think by 20, by 2025, maybe the summer of 2025, I think he'll come back. Let me come over. Oh, sorry. Next question from Ant W. Why does everyone seem to have a problem with Jones versus Miocic when there's was no issue with Bisping versus GSP. GSP was off for four years like Stipe. Whitaker was interim champ like Aspinall is. Same situation. So his point is, is that no one's mad about, no one was mad about that. Why are they mad about this? Uh, I, th I think what it is is that Stipe has kind of been on the way out for a while and Jones wanting the fight with Stipe to prove that he's the, the kind of current, you know, heavyweight goat. But... <clears throat> Jones being out for so long, Stipe got a lot, of, got older, you know, those last year and a half, two years of them trying to put this fight together. Finally, it happening. And then Jones getting hurt, who's going to probably be out until the middle of the summer. You know, he might, you know, they probably won't be able to get this fight together until July or August, maybe, maybe into September um, of next year. Uh, we're going to see how fast he heals up, but we'll see. And I think there's so much hype around Tom Aspinall right now because he's young, he's a fresh new face. Um, He's a big guy. He's fast on his feet. He's got great grappling. He's got good stand-up. I mean, everyone's like, they're, they're kind of, you know, when you get to the point where you've kind of seen what Jones can do, you've seen what Steve can do. They want to move on to something fresh and new. And it's no knock on Jones, no knock on, on Steve at all whatsoever. Both of them are all-time all legends in the sport. Um, but what are, like the, the old saying of what have you done for me now or what have you done for me lately they want it like people want it now that this, this new generation of, of people at home that watch, they want it now and whatever's fresh and new and they want right now, well, they can get Tom Aspinall right now. They want that fight. They want, if they want, they probably would want to see Tom Aspinall versus Stipe, but the UFC doesn't want to lose that Jones Stipe fight because that to them is a moneymaker. That's the fight that they want to see. Um, but th that's it. I, I don't know. I think the, there's a couple fighters in the heavyweight division. You know, Pavlovich, you know, he just lost. You got uh, Aspinall and you've got uh, the young kid, uh, Almeida. Those three guys right now are looking to probably take over the heavyweight division. You know, so you're going to see those guys in the, in, around for a while. Looking forward to that. John Jones, after his injury coming back, I think he's going to make some waves in the heavyweight division. The heavyweight division to me is if you can wrestle at all, which John Jones can, 
and his ability to mix things up. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be able to to fight for a while. So you'll see John Jones around for a bit, uh, barring any of these these long term injuries like he is dealing with right now. Uh, next one here from Chief Three Five Four. Thoughts on Patricio's return post surgery and thoughts on his future if PFL buys Bellator. Uh, Patricio, I believe he's got two fights left on his contract. I talked with him the other day about it, and he said his neck is getting it's almost one hundred percent. He's about you know eighty percent. Um, but he's got to be careful with it, man. You're talking about your neck. This isn't this isn't like oh my elbow hurts or my wrist or you know on my big toe I got you know it, no it's not that. This is your neck. This could ruin your. This could hurt. This this is one of the things that how do you live your life after fighting? Your neck being obviously probably one of the most important things outside your brain. Your neck being the next important thing on how you sleep, how you're how how much pain you go through. You know, I had a I had a another surgery, but I had to, I had a pinched nerve in my neck and it was making my arm go numb and my fingers were numb, everything and 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 I went to go get a like a like a what's called an epidural, but it's not really an epidural. It's it's a shot that in, takes away the inflation on the nerve because my spine was basically pinching the nerve. The nerve was swollen, so then it was um, inflamed, and it was rubbing there. That's what was causing the um, the numbness in my arm. And so what the one of the first questions uh, there was like three of them. The first three questions on the questionnaire for me to get this procedure done was. Are you suicidal? Have you thought about killing yourself? And are you depressed? Those were like the first three questions. So your neck plays such a role in that your first three questions and filling this thing out of numbness in your spine, your neck, all those things is to be depressed, to commit suicide, to think about committing suicide, all of those things. And it's obviously it affects your anger because I think one of the next two or three questions after that was, are you having mood swings? Are you angry? Are you sad? You know, are you aggressive? Those are all things that come from having a pinched nerve in your neck or in your, in your spine. And so this is not something that he should be playing around with. If he's got to wait till he's fully healed, he's got to wait till he gets the full um, doctor's permission. I've been through something similar to this. I didn't have the surgery. He did. Um, but it's not something you really want. You don't want to take lightly. You've got to, you got to make sure you take every single step properly. And if it's, he's able to come back, he comes back. Now, in terms of his future, it's up to him. I, I talked to him and he said he's going to defend his title at 145. Uh, people want to knock him because, you know, he, he fought Sergio. As you get older, John and I say this all the time. Don't go down in weight. Go up in weight. Because you look at guys like and one of my dearest friends, man, one of my best friends is Frankie Edgar. And, you know, and I look at Frankie as he went down. His advantage in the lightweight division was his speed, his his cardio, his his footwork, his movement, his ability to get in and out, get takedowns, change angles on the takedowns, control the top position, and just keep wrestling and wrestling and use his 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 footwork and his speed to get in and out to dictate the pace of the fight. Well, when he went down to 45, it made it more difficult to do that because the fighters were faster. And then he went to 35, it was even hard, more difficult because those fighters are faster. And every time he went down, he was getting older. And so with Patricio, I think he's what, 37, 36, 37? Yeah, 36 years old. It's hard to go down in weight. If anything, I feel like he would be the better fighter at 155. The problem with that is going up in weight as you get older. You also don't, you also don't um, keep your muscle on as you get older. So if you look at, like I look at myself, 
that was one of the biggest reasons why I was con I, I started contemplating retirement like right around 37, 38 after the Tony fight. I took I took I looked I watched went back, went back and watched the video of the Tony fight. But I looked at my body then and I looked at my body, you know, uh, for the third Gill fight and the second Gill fight and how how physically different my body was. I started having like the old man kind of chest. The shoulders weren't as like rounded. All of those things that you um, you lose, you don't have anymore as you get older, you know? And so that becomes a problem. Sorry, my dog is coming in. <laughs> Give me one sec. Yeah, you're good. I was just trying to find a picture of Josh um, post, uh, post UFC to draw that comparison for you. I was just trying to find a picture of you yeah. post UFC to kind of draw that comparison, see if you if there's anything you wanted to point to. But um, yeah, yours, you I mean like you can take a look. Like, look at this, uh, that like the top one with me flexing like this. This top, one on that top row. Where are you at? Yeah, look, look at how look how full I am in that picture. That's a Bellator fight. Yeah. Okay, but that mm -hmm. look how full I am in that picture. But then you take a look at me in the um, like that looks that looks full. But I if you go back, you take a look at me and say like this UFC one here maybe. Yeah, let me see. In some of the in some of the UFC ones, like in the early like this one here, that's uh that's the KJ Noons fight. No, that one. See the one with the white shorts on that I'm standing up. I believe uh, that's, that's, that's one right here. Uh, yes. That one. Okay. I think I should show dog picture actually. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the KJ Noons fight, and I'm physically like filled out in that in that fight, you know. Um, and you go back and I watch that fight. You can see me halfway through the fight. Like I I was physically just a lot bigger. And you go back and you see some of the other fights uh, after the, after the Tony Ferguson fight, and I just started seeing my body just not have the muscle and the definition that I used to have. Because uh, I wasn't able to keep the muscle on, so that's the problem with going down and or going up in weight is you're not able to keep the muscle on. But going down in weight, you're actually getting slower and you're fighting faster fighters. So you're in a pickle, man. Age, it's father time. There's nothing you can do to defend that. There's nothing. So, uh, Carlos R wants to know, Hey Josh, I want to go pro in MMA. How many army fights do I need before I go pro? We were talking to a guy that never had any AMI fights because we didn't have them back then. You either fought or you didn't. So it was a really weird situation. Um, look, I think um, whatever you whatever makes you feel comfortable. I, I've I've said this before: is how good is your cardio? Cardio should be your number one thing in the AMI fight, and number one thing in your early parts of your career. It should be the number one thing that you focus on is getting your body to the point of breaking almost every single day of whether it's track sprints, whether it's uh, liners, whether it's long distance running, say you run, you know, between two and a half to four miles every day or every other day and mix in sprints on the off days. Like you've got to get your body fully tuned to go hard for the full three rounds. Um, amateur fights are normally two minutes long. I mean, all they really do, it's a flurry of, of big shots and, and, you know, whoever can wrestle normally wins because they can hold you down for, the, you know, for two minutes. And they stand you back up. You guys go back to the corner. If you can wrestle at all and control the, and control the, where the fight takes place in an amateur fight, you can win the fight pretty easily. So I don't know how, how much amateur, amateur fights really help you. Maybe do one or two to get to learn how to get used to the jitters of walking out people cheering your name and that type of stuff. Cause there is going to be that effect. Uh, but I would suggest 
that you know you get you do your one or two maybe to get that feeling but and see where your cardio is you've got to make sure that you're conditioning your cardio can you wrestle are you a full true mixed martial artist if you can't if you can only do one maybe two things you're not ready to turn pro then you've got to be able to do it all you've also i've also heard you say that um you not to do army fights i'm maybe like taking that a little bit of context there the way you've said it but mm. you've said don't do, not to do army fights because you don't get paid for it so why would you fight and not get paid for it you've said i heard you something like that in the past where like do the fights in the gym so that like yeah. you're, you're you're getting like your coaching as part of the fight and then mm. like i remember you saying that before mm. it was a long time ago but i remember like you saying something like that where you don't get paid for it so why would why would you go in there and stand in front of someone and not get paid for it well not only that but like your brain can only take so many your chin can only take so many shots your brain can only take so many shots why are we taking shots and not getting paid for it that's one um and you can do all those you can you can figure out what your excuse me what your level is inside the gym depending on who your training partners are if you have do you have fighters in your gym that are already pros where do they rank are they in the pfl are they in bellator are they in the ufc are they in one are they in rising where are they at and if they if they're at that level already and you're able to go hard three rounds with each one of them or you're able to work with two or three of them you know for six seven rounds you know um at a good pace that should let you know that you're probably pretty ready to go pro you know, don't waste too many amateur fights uh not making any money you only have a certain a certain period of time to make that money that's just my opinion on it because i didn't have an amateur career you know we literally just showed up at gyms because gyms would call when they say, hey, we're having fights this weekend, pays 100 bucks, pays 150 bucks, pays 300, you know, if you win your fight. And they would just weigh people in and match you up right there on the spot. You know, Dennis Holman would be there with his guys. Uh, Marie Smith would be here with there with his guys. Randy Couture would be there with his guys out of his gym. You know, we'd be there with our guys, you know, from Idaho, uh, Trevor Prangley, myself, and some other guys. Like, we, we were just like a traveling circus. We heard gyms were having fights and we just showed up and we weighed in and the next day we fought that's how it worked and if you know you negotiated the con you negotiated how much you'd get paid um you know right before you know pretty much right after you made weight so i i don't know how much you want to spend um fighting amateur fights it's up to you kevin from chicago will elon musk beat up zuckerberg <laughs> You know, Elon's a lot, physically a lot bigger. You know, he weighs a lot more, I shouldn't say. I think they're probably maybe close to the same height. I think Zuck's a little bit shorter. But I think um, that Elon is, what, 225, 220, somewhere around there, I believe. I think like he said that on Rogan. No, oh, did he? Yeah. Okay, okay. So he's 20, and, but then Zuck's walking around, I think, 170-something. You know, 175, 180. So, but look, he's got the technique. He can grapple. He can actually grapple. And the reason why I know he can grapple is because... Um, you know, Dave Camarillo was my jiu-jitsu coach for a long time, especially early parts of my career in the UFC. He was uh, he was one of the guys I like to give credit, you know, a lot of my success to because he got me really focused on training jiu-jitsu, whereas I wasn't that focused beforehand. You know, even when I was going into the UFC, I was good at jiu-jitsu, but I wasn't at that level that I needed to be to compete against the highest levels that were going to be in the UFC facing me. Uh, I look at Zuck, man. Zuck is say what you want about him man I mean, like to put himself out there to um to train and learn jiu-jitsu good on him good on him uh i don't know elon's gonna he, he, elon has a long ways to go if he wants to compete i think and uh until he competes i'm gonna lean more towards zuck uh samuel Crisanto, is that the one scottish engineer you're always beefing with because i'm on camera <laughs> right now <laughs> um uh yeah right. that's him uh 
I'll go to Chad White's question here. Josh, how long you got left in you here? We want to go another 10 minutes? Yeah, we can go another okay, 10 minutes. Yeah. All right, Chad White asks, is Islam really pound for pound over Jones? I understand Jones fought only once in three years, but that one at heavyweight was just a big deal. Was it a big deal, though? I mean, you look at John Jones, and I'm not, like I said, I, I'm not taking anything away from John. I like John. Maybe John doesn't like me because I'm from AKA, and a lot of AKIs don't like John. I have nothing against him. I look at John, though, and the inactivity. Why is it that when fighters haven't fought in 15 months, they get automatically dropped off of the off of the um, the rankings? Well, when you're not active, you should start losing your spot in the rankings. you got to continuously always look to keep your spot. That's what being an active fighter is all about, especially when you're considered to be the number one pound for pound or one of the top ranked guys in your division. You've got to be active. Um, and injuries happen. I get it. And it's no fault of theirs, you know, really, if if you get hurt. But you've got to you've got to try and stay as active as possible. We've seen too many times. You hear the complaints all the time about fighters is that they only want to fight guys at their level because they don't want to lose their spot they work so hard to get there which i understand but a lot of them won't take fights for a long period of time because they enjoy being able to run around and say that oh i'm ranked number two you know in this weight class or i'm the number five pound per pound guy they don't want to take fights that may jeopardize them unless it's somebody ranked above them where they can gain outside of that but if you're ranked that high um you should want to you you should be able to beat whoever it is below you you know uh, there was there was an op there was something similar to happen to me is the UFC had called me and I was supposed to fight Anthony Pettis. And when fighting Anthony Pettis, I was scheduled to fight and he ended up getting hurt. Then they called and said, Hey, we still want you on there. You won't be the main event anymore, but you'll be on the main card, whatever it is. And I'm like, all right, cool. They said they offered me uh Ruslan uh, Kabbalah. And I'm like, I've never heard of him. I don't know who he is. I think he was ranked number 15. I was ranked number three. I was just offered a title shot. And now you're going to give me a guy I've never. And, I had just started training with Habib and I realized how damn good he was and his wrestling was. And I had heard that Rustam was very similar to what Habib was, even though I'd never seen him fight or ever heard of him fight. And so I was like, why would I take a fight with someone who I've never heard of this ranked 15? I'm ranked number three and coming off of a knockout win over uh, Nate Diaz. It just didn't make sense. That was the only time I ever said no to a fight. That was the only time. And um, yeah, but other fighters, and I had said this you know, a second ago, is that they will just sit out and sit out and sit out until they're almost forced to fight. I was the I was a little bit more the opposite. I was continuously asking Joe Silva, continuously asking Scott Coker, "Hey, can I fight? Hey, get me a fight. Hey, like I wanted to fight as many times as I possibly could. I even went out on a limb several times when I was in Strike Force. Uh, Trevor Pregnley had a, a, a fight organization that he used to run up at a casino up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And and I would fight guys there in between my strike force fights because I wanted to stay as active as I possibly could. So um, just because I couldn't get the fights, I, I couldn't get as many fights as I wanted in strike force. I couldn't get as many fights as I wanted uh, in the UFC either once I came over. So I wanted to be as active as I possibly could because I also understood that your time to make money is so small i mean think i retired at 39 40 somewhere around there let's say i live to be 80. i have a whole other life to live i've got to make money for another 40 years that that's just not easy you've got to put enough enough money away and be able to be smart with your money and uh it's, it's it can get scary at times you know you don't know what the economy is going to do you don't know what the governments are going to do you don't know what's going to happen to you know the price of 
you know, milk and gas and, and eggs and, you know, and inflation and all this other stuff. So it's hard to plan ahead when you don't know what's going to happen. So I try to stay as active as I possibly could. What else you got? Uh, just shout out to a couple of people here. Ice Cold, love the fighter interviews, great work. Uh, thanks for the props. JN, please do more live Q&As. Uh, a lot of nice feedback here on the live chat right now. Tyrone is asking, why do fighters train with people in different weight classes during camps? It doesn't make sense to me. Well, <laughs> you have to remember that, what do you mean by train with different people in different weight classes? When I show up, I'll give you an example. When I when Habib shows up, he's technically a 205 pounder because he weighs 192, 193. So should he fight? Should he just train with the guys at 205 or should he train with the guys at 155? Because he fights at 155. So you're like, where, where do you go? And when he does show up, I'm if I'm in camp, I'm walking around 170, which means he's not in my weight class. He's in the 185. So do I not use one of the best guys in the world to train with? So that's why. Because we don't walk around with the white we fight in. And sometimes we're there's a big gap between our walk around weights. So I would walk around. I never was more than 175. I was like 172, 174, but I was never more than 175. I mean, even on off season, I was never more than 175. You know, never. But there was times where Abi would come in, he would be, you know, 188, 187. Sometimes he'd come in 192. It depend. It was just depending on what he did on the off season after his fights. Uh, I'm not. I'm not just using him as an example. You know, uh, DC Dan Cormier. You guys can look him at it now. He he's put the weight on, you know, um, in between his camps at 205, he can get all the way up to, you know, to 240. Then he had to get his weight back down. I mean, there's just fighters just do that. Luke Rockhold, when he started his, I want to say when he started his camp for Chris Weidman, I believe he was walking around around 212. Or sorry, was it 212? Yeah, 212. He fought at 185. That's insane. I mean, he's a big guy. He's got physically, he's a big guy. He's, you know, six three six four somewhere in there you know and uh he carries quite a bit of muscle for you know for for being as lean as he is so but that's why that's why guys that's why guys spar with guys that are outside their weight classes because those are kind of the guys you train with you know that are in your weight class so i know that they fight in my weight class so i train with those guys that's why uh harold harold ashbury says these live communities are badass man keep them coming like on only fans um and then who is next here thomas betters asks how many years should you train and uh, and what bgj belt should you be before you take your first pro mma fight i'm gonna <sighs> leave the screen on here by the way just so people can see okay our, our stuff yeah so look i can i know a lot of guys that don't have any jiu-jitsu randy couture i don't think he has a belt in anything but he's a black belt moving people's asses you know, so I, I don't, I don't know. It really depends on you. Is your level of wrestling that good to stop people's takedowns? How good is your sambo? How good is your jujitsu? Not jujitsu, but how good is your uh, judo? Like those type of things. How good are you at keeping your back off the ground? I mean, I don't know. Like those are all things that I can't tell you what belt you should be. I can't. When I first came in, when I fought Hermes Franca, I was a blue belt, technically a blue belt. You know what I mean? Like. I got my I got my blue belt from Dave Camarillo. I got my all oh, that's my black belt from Dave Camarillo. <clears throat> you know what I mean? So um I was fighting top level black belts in, in the UFC. 
and was able to grapple with them, was able to, you know, take them down, control them, you know, and do damage. So it really depends on what your level of wrestling is, depends on what your what your fight IQ is and um and how how well you learn to defend submissions. That's where I look at it. Uh let's see here. I've just seen a couple of these drop in. Uh Kaku, Hori, what is your thought on one versus Kai fight on New Year's Eve? I don't actually know what that's what that is. Is it boxing? Is it PFL? Is it one? Wait, what is it? He says your fight. Uh, what's your thoughts on? Oh, why not Chaleta versus Kai oh. uh, on New Year's Eve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna be a tough fight for Juan, but I think Juan's got the wrestling. He's got the ability to. Uh, he makes it. He makes it difficult. The way he switches stance. Like think about T.J. Dillashaw. Think about uh, Dominic Cruz. His style was like that. So a traditional fighter is gonna have you know with good stand up, good kickboxing, and uh, you know and good all the way around. They're still going to have a hard time dealing with them. I look at guys like Juan. I look at guys like TJ and guys like Dom Cruz. They're really good at mixing it up so much that just fighters have a hard time game planning for them. They don't know anybody else that they can have do those type of movements at the level which Juan can do it or TJ could do it or Dom could do it. And so it does make for a very good fight. Juan's just got to be careful he doesn't get clipped. He's got to make sure he doesn't get caught coming in um you know and kai's very good he's very fast that's where i think is going to give um want some problems the speed of kai is going to is going to give him some problems but i'm looking forward to it man i'm really really looking forward to that fight so pumped to see Juan's in a great position right now you know he's got a contract with rising he's got a contract with bellator he's the rising champion over there he's still i think ranked in the top like four or three or four or whatever in bellator he, he's in a really good spot right now so I wish him nothing but the best. So I'm looking forward to seeing that fight. I think we'll wrap up there. Um, comments are kind of trailing off a bit um, with the questions. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we'll we'll call it there. All right. All right. Well, hey, look, we wanted to say go to wayneimmerse.com. Pick up some of our apparel there. Um, we've got hoodies. We've got some short sleeves, long sleeves shirts. We've got everything up on there. Hats, beanies, all that stuff is available for you guys at wayneimmerse.com. Also, you guys can subscribe to us over at OnlyFans dot com slash weighing in it's free we don't charge over there we've got a lot of athletes to come over we've started convincing um only fans start working with more mma fighters giving them another avenue for you guys to connect you guys can subscribe to their platforms majority of them are free you got aj mckee over there you got luke rockhold you got chris cyborg you've got a lot of these fighters that are over there hit the thumbs up you know on our youtube channel here subscribe if you guys are not subscribed to us already subscribe to us and we want to say thank you and uh, so much for your support and continue to support us. And then it says, what is he, what is he telling? Oh, the show will drop. The show will drop tomorrow evening, probably on Monday morning, depending on how early we film tomorrow night. Uh, we apologize for the inconvenience. That's why I'm doing this tonight. Want to make sure we stay connected with you guys. I know I didn't talk about a lot of the fights, but I enjoy doing the Q&A. I enjoy doing it live. And uh, this should be fun. I'm going to keep doing these as much as I possibly can to kind of keep you guys interested and hopefully grow this platform. So I'm looking forward to what the future holds and um, we will see you guys tomorrow.